Um, well, we don't, I don't know what our um, what's the, what's the word? What's the word for the thing we do at the beginning of these things? Cold intro. Well, it's it's yeah. a new year. Oh yeah, so it's a new year. How was how was your new year, Luke? Um, yeah, it was good. I I just hung out with some people. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a new year, new new me, new year, new podcast. Yeah. What what, what yeah. are you, what are your New Year's resolutions, Luke? I don't know, Michael. I, I I don't know. I stopped doing resolutions like a decade ago. Wow. Yeah. You were you were very big on self improvement when you were twelve. <laughs> yeah. And what about you? Uh, yeah, my New Year's resolution is to upload the podcast consistently. Um, at a consistent time every week. That's a very good New Year's resolution, Michael. <laughs> well done. Anyway, um, so let's go. Yeah, let's go. Back up, chump, you know Biggie Smalls rips it quick. It kicks it quick, you know how black niggas get. With the hoods for keys, with the boots with trees. That niggas that open spots for the avenue Take my loot and I'm bagging <laughs> Pippin' hoes that drive bobos and rodeos Flash the roll, make a wet in they pantyhose Damn, a nigga style is a orthodox grip the clock Gonna walk down the crowded block Just in case a nigga wanna act out I just black out, blow the motherfucking back out That's a real nigga for you. Hello and welcome to Select and Reflect, the movie review podcast where we look at films that have come out relatively recently at the cinema and see if they still hold up upon a second watch. I am your host, Michael, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Luke. And this week, we're looking at Slumdog Millionaire. And Luke, why don't you tell us a thing or two about Slumdog Millionaire? Certainly, Michael. So, Slum... Uh, did you say why we're doing it, by the way? Uh, oh, no, you can... Uh, okay, I'll say why we're doing it. It's because it's the... Tw- Wait... It's the oh I know what it is it's the tenth anniversary yes it is so it came yeah. out uh, well I'll say when it came out so Slumdog Millionaire is a 2008 British drama film that is a loose adaptation of the novel Q and A 2005 by Indian author Vikas Swarup I hope I pronounced that correctly um, it was directed by Danny Boyle uh, screenplay was by Simon why do people have such weird names? I'm not. It, it was a play by a No, no, no. It's like B E A U F O Y. Pronounce that for um, me, Michael. Wait, 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 wait. B E F O U. What? B E A U F O Y. B E A U F O Y. I'd say it sounds like French. So I'd be like Bouffoy. Bouffoy. Right. Okay, that makes like sense. Bouff Bourguignon. Yes. No, it says he's British, so pronounce it in a British way. Well, I mean, like, some people, like, I don't know, I mean, there are people in Britain who have French names. I'm not sure if I can think of any examples, but, um, <laughs> you know, like, sometimes you'll be you'll be watching football and you'll hear someone, like, on the English team and they've got a name that doesn't sound like it should be English. What are you um, saying, Michael? Like, like, um, what's, what's, what's the guy's name? <laughs> Rio Ferdinand. What a, what a non-English sounding name. <laughs> okay. Um, the... Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, no. Yeah. So Slumdog Millionaire stars Dev Patel, Frida Pinto, Mother Metal, Anil Kapoor, and Irfan Khan. Uh, it was released on the 9th of January 2009 in the United Kingdom and just a week later in India. So yeah, just almost 10 years ago. And do you want to have a go at the budget, Mike? Um, it's in pounds, Mike, the budget. Pounds? Oh. Uh, I'm going to go for 
It costs 20 million rupees. Ahaha. <laughs> no, um, I mean, Danny Boyle, he does kind of like, he's, he's a bit of an underground director, uh, I think. But having said that, I think this film would have been quite demanding budgetarily. So I think this film, I think this film would have cost the amount that it needed to cost. I don't think this would be one of those films where it had like a massive budget. So I'm going to go for 30 million. Half that, Michael. Half that? Yeah. Okay. Only 15 million pounds. Yeah, I thought, yeah. I thought it would be quite cheap. But yeah, yeah. I'm impressed that they were able to, I guess, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of one of those weird things because you just don't know. Like, it's always weird things that cost money with um, with uh, films. But I guess, like, they didn't have to um, buy any portable toilets because everyone just crapped in rivers. Yeah, I guess that will save them some of the costs. Um, what's the box office? Uh, I'm going to guess that the box office was... Oh, I mean, I think this film made quite a lot. I think this film's quite successful. Um, let's go for over 100 million, over 200 million, over 300 million. But let's say... Almost four hundred million. Let's go for. I mean, it's one of those things you never know. I obviously, I don't know if like okay, I might be completely blanking. So, have you mentioned this film won Best Picture yet? No, I haven't. But I was going to do that after this. I thought I yeah. thought you were going to mention it at some point. Okay. Yeah. So obviously, but that doesn't necessarily mean it was really successful. I'm going to go for three hundred and ninety million. You know what, Michael? It's a very very good guess. Three hundred and seventy eight million. So oh, good. Yeah. No, you got that. I was going to go for three hundred eighty million though, so that's quite distressing. Ah. Uh, so, well, as you mentioned, Michael, Slumdog Millionaire was nominated for 10 Academy Awards in 2009 and won eight, the most of any 2008 film, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Adapted Screenplay. It won seven BAFTA Awards as well, which are always incredibly important. However, it was yeah, also... British Association of Film and Television Awards. Yes. Is that what it stands for? Well, you know what, to call them BAFTA Awards, uh, it's an example of what they call RAS Syndrome, which stands for Redundant Acronym Syndrome Syndrome. Oh. It's like when people say PIN number, personal identification number number. Ah, I see. Yeah, DC Comics. So, yeah, DC Comics. Yeah. Um, people love that. Yeah. BAFTA Awards. Anyway, onwards and upwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you like well, it? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, did I like it? Did I like it? Um, I thought this film was good. Um, so, yeah, I did like it. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, it was. I didn't love it. Yeah, it's one of those weird things, like, I mean, it, it, it was, like, I'm not going to say I didn't like it, but, um, yeah, it was definitely a series of things that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would you say that it is the most unjustified uh, Best Picture winner since Crash? Oh, I didn't know if I'd say that. I mean, I'd have to go through every all single the, all the winners, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's true. I was thinking, obviously, when I was watching this movie, I was like, oh yeah, I can understand why it won Best Picture, but I mean, maybe, mm, mm, maybe it's, I don't know if it's undeserved, but maybe it's like not good enough to win Best Picture. Yeah. Well, do you know yeah. what should have won Best Picture um, in, it's actually my favourite film of all, of all time was out at the same time as, or in, in contestation for the Best Picture. Mm-hmm. What? A serious man. I think I'm right about that. Oh, uh, so what? Let's check. That's why you asked the question immediately, because you're just bitter about a serious man losing. Yeah, well, you mean? know what, Luke? Not all of us can have our favourite films win Best Picture. No, not all of us can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Especially if you, your favourite film is Sucker Punch. <laughs> which, um, uh, that's, that's great. So, anyway, Michael, nitpicks. How many nitpicks did you have? I had... Um, 
Two, I think. Let me just double check. Okay, well, I kind of had three, um, but one of them was like a very broad nitpick. Mm-hmm. Okay, I had uh, how many? Two. two. All right, so you can go first. Okay, so my first nitpick. If I can just get it up. Um, oh yeah, so the host. I can't remember what he's called, but the host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. He can't. Uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, if you don't know who I'm talking about, then you know. Yeah. <laughs> so he can't. It's Tarrant. Yeah, he can't say millionaire. He says millionaire instead. Like, he misses the O in millionaire. Like, it should be millionaire, but he keeps saying millionaire. Like, he doesn't know how to pronounce it, Michael. It's incredibly annoying. It's, it's not um, hard to just say million on, millionaire instead of just skipping that sound altogether. So, yeah, first nitpick. <laughs> um, second one, why does Salem... The, the brother bring uh, Jamal uh, to sing for that gangster guy Mammon instead of just escaping. Like obviously he got the ten, uh, well, I don't know how, how many rupees they got from him. Um, but yeah, like it's just incredibly risky to do that. If I was yeah, you're right. Yeah, that that doesn't. Yeah, that's a good point. Doesn't was, make any sense. If I was sailing, I'd just be like, yeah, let's just let's just escape right now. They won't even know we're gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I I don't know, Luke. To be honest, um, it's a very silly. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And my it? two, my my two that that are kind of like proper ones that are, that are like I don't know. Are you saying my uh, wasn't a proper one? No, sorry, I'm saying I'm saying that my third one might oh, not be a proper oh, right, okay. one. Okay, but um, well, it kind of is. Uh, so my two first ones are actually both on the exact same scene and literally the exact same line. Um, okay. Well, kind of. So basically, they rub chilies on this guy's dick. Uh, or I should say, like little child dick. Um, and <laughs> why did you say that? Oh, you know, I just, I didn't want people to think I was being too formal about it. Like, just a guy. Like, it should be noted it is a, a child. Uh, okay, you know? go on. Um, so they rubbed chili on this young, young man's dick. And then, first of all, the, the, the girl is wearing gloves. And I'm thinking, like, I don't know, if I were her, I would say that the benefit of doing this little prank is that you get some sense of anonymity. But she's, she's just got these gloves on. Um, and I'm thinking, like, just, just take them off. I mean, it's, it's better, really, um, because then he won't know it's you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then num- number two is that during that exact scene, they're, they're chanting chilies on, on his willies or chilies in his willies. Um, I don't think I actually say willies, actually. I think I say chili in his willy. Um, but they're speaking it in a foreign language. And here's the thing. Ch- chili on his willy works as, a, as like a taunt in British, English, English, not British, <laughs> in English. But they're not speaking English. They're speaking some other language. So what I want to know is, does does the phrase "chili on his willy" rhyme in this in this other language, or um, yeah, maybe, is it just yeah, it's a lie? Maybe it does, Michael. We can never know. Yeah, um, and then the final one is is a very broad one, but it's just that like they very obviously should want Slumdog Millionaire to succeed. I've forgotten his name, Jamal. They very obviously should want him to succeed. So the entire premise of the film is that like um, they're very Annoyed at the prospect oh, of this single millionaire. Plot, okay, I thought. See, that's why I was saying it might not be a nitpick. I thought you'd want. All right, yeah. that's fine. So we'll put that aside for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, we will. But I, I win, win the bringing it up first competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, speaking of the plot, Luke. Yeah, I should give a song. I don't think I have done that. No, yeah, you haven't, Luke. Yeah, You're awful. I haven't. I'll. So I'll do that now. So, <clears throat> uh, Jamal is the main character. 
Um, he is a contestant on the Indian version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Uh, he surprises everyone by being able to answer every question correctly. However, he is accused of cheating, and Jamal recounts his life story to the police, illustrating how he is able to answer each question correctly. And at the end, he answers the final question correctly and uh, manages to win 20 million rupee and also get his girl back as well. So it all ends well for him. Happy ending. Yeah, except his brother's dead. Well, his brother was a dick. So. Yeah, his brother wasn't a nice guy. So, you know, I'll be really, uh, I'll be really sad that he died. And he did it in yeah. a very symbolic way as well. So, yeah, he, he did, but I thought he was going to set the money on fire. Like, I think that's dumb. Like, I think, um, you know, I mean, what's the, like, I guess he, he's lying in the money and, I don't know, gets it covered in his blood. That would be annoying. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he should have, he definitely should have set it on fire. That would have been so dank, like the Joker. Oh, yeah, but it's a very artistic way of dying. Like, the fire yeah. kind of makes it just not as artistic. You know, I don't and know. that's Anything what he was clearly artistic. For. Sorry? Anything can be artistic if, if you shoot it correctly. I, I guess so. If you shoot it with a gun correctly. So, the plot, Michael. The plot. Yes, the plot. What, um, what do you think of the plot? You can go first. Well, obviously, it is a, a unique structure um, that is, in some ways, similar to the classic film Tom Hanks in actually from Forrest Gump. I, I actually almost <laughs> blanked on the name of the film. Um, yeah, Forrest Gump. So you see, it's an old anthology or episodic film where somebody tells a series of stories about their life. However, yeah, no, that that is a good comparison. I was thinking while watching this, has there ever been something like this? I can't remember. But obviously, Forrest Gump. That is correct. Yes. Yes, um, and there have been other other films which involve people accounting events, but not quite as episodic. Like, for example, the Grand Budapest Hotel. But that's not really. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, yeah, the the whole each lots and lots of different events in somebody's life is is somewhat unique, I think, to this film and, and Forrest Gump. Um, but obviously, it has a slightly more um, what would be the word uh, impactful framing device rather than some guy just sat on a bench eating chocolate. <laughs> um, and yeah, the Dev, film Dev Patel doesn't say life is like yeah. a box of chocolates. The film opens in a very violent way, in a way, because he's like, well, it's like, um, I think I remember, if I remember it correctly, it's like he's, it's cutting between scenes of him in the, you know, millionaire chair, I think that's what it's called, let's call it that, the millionaire chair, versus him being beaten up uh, and tortured by the police, and that's pretty, pretty exciting. It makes you go, ooh, this is exciting. Um mm-hmm. And that's good. Uh, and then, obviously, you get the uh, each story, which is somewhat, not entirely, but generally framed by the questions asked. And then it's like, how would you know the answer to that question? Huh? And then he tells a story, and then um, it's revealed that that's how he knew the answer, and then you repeat it. Um, yeah, I, I love, do love the concept that he only knew the answers because of his life experience, like it's his destiny. Oh, wait, hold on a minute, Luke. I need to ask. I bet you didn't. Did you watch uh, Slumdog, The Price is Right? Oh, no, I didn't. Okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll explain it to you anyway. Um, yeah, explain I'll explain the basic. To our viewers so basically, well. um, he's, on a, he's on The Price is Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, he's, you know, he goes, I was like, how much is this worth? Uh, I think it's like the dining room set. Uh, not dining room set, the patio set. Yeah. It's like, how much is this worth? He, he says the right answer. Um, 
and then it cuts smash cuts to him being punched it's like how would a slum dog let you know an answer like that and it it shows his um you know his village or whatever being attacked by a bunch of people and the mum's like uh you know, they go to take the dining room, the, the patio set, and she's like, "No, leave the patio set. It only costs two forty nine And then she gets shot in the head. Um, <laughs> and then he goes to see his his brother, um, and his brother's got his gun and his his girl, and he's like, "Get out of here! You know, take the uh, go go to a shop and purchase and he lists all these different things like a set of golf clubs, uh, Ford Fiesta, blah blah blah. And then he hands him money. He's like, "This is two two hundred forty nine dollars thirty three cents. It'll cover everything." Um, and then uh, there's a bit where um, the guy, the guy's like, uh, "Now I will suck your eyes out with this vacuum cleaner that I got for twenty five pounds." Things like that. Um, so obviously, yeah, I mean, they didn't actually keep switching between different currencies like I just did then, but very funny. Um, and then at the end, they have a massive dance, which we'll talk about later probably because that's funny. Okay. Um, but yeah, so so uh, here's the thing: can can you remember each? Each little self-contained story, because okay, first of all, you get the the poo story, um, where oh, he signs an autograph. Yeah, he gets yeah. an autograph signed, and his um, brother's a dick because his brother sells the autograph, even though he had to jump in poo to uh, to get it. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, I would be annoyed to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's the first one. But, yeah, yeah, and then I think the second one is the one about the Hindu god, and they get attacked. And I actually, I was curious um, about the history of, of like religious violence. And I found out this is probably based the Bombay riots. Maybe so they possibly 1992 Bombay riots, yeah. during which 375 Muslims and 275 Hindus were killed. However, to me, those numbers sound very rounded. So I don't know. It sounds like a conspiracy theory to me. Yeah, Three hundred seventy-five and two hundred seventy-five. Yeah, I guess so. Or, yeah. I, think, I think it was made up by Danny Boyle. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I guess those those that's not many people to be honest. I, yeah, I know it's one of those things it's tragic, like but it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, especially since it's India. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. That's why like twenty-two million people live in Mumbai or whatever. Like, yeah, you have like five hundred people dying. Yeah. Speaking of riots that happened in 1992 i think this is when so the la riots yes the la riots um, happened that year as well i'm really confused at how so few people died during the la riots because have you ever seen like the um footage of quote unquote roof koreans no okay so the story goes that obviously there was a lot of looting going on in the la riots and koreans owned a lot of local convenience stores um in la and there's a lot of footage of koreans Staking out their their rooftops with AK forty sevens and all that kind of stuff, you know, in full full on military gear, uh, protecting their convenience stores from looters. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you look it up, and it's like I, I actually can't remember. I'm looking up here, uh, but it's like something relatively low. I'm gonna find this out. Come on, oh wait, oh, I think it's okay. Deaths, 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 deaths. Sixty three, okay, sixty three deaths. And like that seems like a lot, but then you think to yourself, like every like you've got gangsters who have guns you've got uh people who are protecting their property who have guns it's kind of just surprising that you didn't get more people like we make fun of americans for being stupid and fat and trigger happy and for voting for donald trump but it's kind of impressive that during that massive riot in like a city with millions of people where every single person has guns and you pretty much like i mean you could have got away with killing someone you know like if someone's coming into your your house and you've got a shotgun you could just you could kill them and no one would care. Um, so it took a, took a lot of restraint, I think. Yeah, you know what, Michael, that is a good point. 
when we do American History X, you can expand upon this yeah. point. Yes. So yeah. the important thing is, basically what I'm saying is people are actually quite crap at rioting. Um, and that's proved by the fact that a bunch of Indians who probably didn't even have guns um, were able to kill way more people than the rioters in LA. I think the rioters in LA should be ashamed. Mm, good point. Yeah, no, but I back to the whole concept of um, Jamal only knowing the answers because of his life experiences. Like that is, I, I really, I really like that because I was wondering um, before watching this movie originally, like, okay, the drama of he wants to be a millionaire would be really helpful, but you can't just have a movie about that. Like a guy just, you know, <laughs> going through the stages of a. Uh, of the, of the show, you know, you need something alongside it like this. It is kind of a, it's a fairy tale kind of story. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think you would agree. Uh, yeah. you can tell it, you can tell it was a novel beforehand. Uh, but I, I do, I do love the idea because it's such a genius but simple idea. Um, you know, a guy, he's, he's only in this situation because, oh, all, all of my life has just been leading to this moment and just my, my life story has, has allowed me to answer these questions. You know, it's, it's, it's just, yeah, like I said, just a fairy tale. Uh, I would have liked more stories and more millionaire questions because I think there was only about five stories. And, yeah, uh, the answer it did seem a bit short, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think obviously there's 15 questions in who wants to be a millionaire. So we would have not seen some questions um, as well. So, yeah. Uh, I, I would have liked to see more of that because I think that was the best part when you see the story and how he knows this and then there's the payoff of him answering the question correctly. That right there, that was a that was the best part of the movie and I just wish we'd seen more of that uh, th- throughout the yeah. movie. So yeah, kind of like almost more more consistent structure in a way. So it's like, because uh, obviously the, the structure kind of dipped. It wasn't, yeah, it was like there was... Sometimes it was directly correlated to the question and anything saying, and then it was sometimes like a lot of stuff would happen, and it would kind of just be like filling in the blanks. You're like, oh, but it's not explaining to me why he knew who's on the hundred dollar bill. Yeah, it did eventually. Though. Yeah, it did, did explain. Yeah, but there was like there was there was just like large gaps in his life's story. Sorry, there was just large gaps between the millionaire questions where he's explaining his life story, and it's not relevant to the question he answered or what the officers would really want to know. Um, so it was like, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you need that. It's got, there's got to be a plot. There's got to be a story to it because, you know, otherwise it, it doesn't feel as connected. Then it's not a life story, I guess. Then it's just, a, oh, various things happened in my life and there's no connection between these, all of this. So yeah, you do, I guess you do need long periods of him just telling his life story uh, to make it seem coherent. I guess, and a story. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, <sighs> do you know what, Michael? I think it's what? time. Have you got anything else to add to the same concept? Um, mm, I did have one thing to say, actually. Okay. How, how does it make you feel that if you were on Indian Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, uh, you wouldn't even get past the first round? <laughs> the first round was was the the autograph question, where it was like, "Who's this famous Indian and all this stuff?" No, I, I'm just going. I do the uh, I do the answer. Oh, sorry, ask the audience. Oh yeah, well actually that's true. Yeah, um, but then you wouldn't have it for for anything else. But yeah, you get past. To be honest, anyone can get past the first round if they you know, ask the he, audience. He uses the audience one on 
like um oh what is the uh is this what's the motto what's the motto of india and it's like the only truth is money the only truth is yeah and it's obviously the i can't remember what the first one was but it was that one the answer was a and it's pretty obvious and he didn't like it would be none of the other three and he has and he has to ask the audience yeah well i think in a way it's like kind of clever that they made it so um so he didn't know all the answers. I thought that was kind of a good move because it was like, it would have been a bit, it would have, I mean, obviously you could say. Well, it was used to show he's, he's yeah. not that, he's not yeah, a exactly, genius. Yeah. 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 And also, I mean, it kind of uh, made the film more likely, even though obviously it's kind of ridiculous to even attempt oh, yeah. to make this film yeah, more likely since it's so ridiculous. But um, I'm just saying uh, they could have done a better question than that. I like yeah. the idea, just it was executed wrong because it was obviously A and I didn't know the motto. And I was like, yeah, it's A. It's like, come on, it won't be yeah. the other three, would it? So yeah, yeah, that's true. I think the um, audience yeah. laughed out after B, C, and B. So that's a pretty good clue that it's that it's A. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, and actually, I did have one final thing. So it's it's a very esoteric point to make that will probably be irrelevant. But have you seen the film Life of Pi? Uh, I haven't, but I, I know what well, it is. Life, Life of Pi is similar in that it's about an Indian person, which you know. <laughs> There are many films about Indian people. But the other thing is, so so in Life of Pi, basically, very simple version of it. This is kind of a spoiler, but who cares? Um, the Life of Pi person is, is basically trying to make a large point, but ultimately he tells this very convoluted story wherein loads of really lucky coincidental things happen. And at the end, he basically reveals that the entire story is made up. Um, and I was kind of thinking of that when I was watching this, because I was thinking to myself, like, hmm, this all seems very contrived. Maybe it's all actually a lie, and uh, maybe he was actually cheating. Um, but yeah, didn't even happen, so it doesn't matter. No, it, it wouldn't be like that. Like <laughs> No, no, I was, yeah, but I was just thinking of, I mean, I, yeah, I was kind of just thinking of it in my head, because I was thinking about the life of Pi, and I was like, do you remember in the life of Pi when there was loads of yeah. crazy coincidental stuff that happened, and then at the end it turned out it was all made up? Um, anyway, yeah. yeah, life of Pi is quite good. I mean, I know that sounds like a completely bullshit thing, but it actually works quite well. So don't let me put you off. Don't let the fact that that mm-hmm. sounds com- like complete nonsense put you off watching it. Yeah. Anybody. I just want to say, actually, at the end as well, I really like how the film wraps up There was the a end. big dance-off. Well, you really liked how there was a big dance-off at the end. Before that, the actual liked. ending of the movie. Oh, with... you, did, you hated the dance-off. Yeah, I hated it. Um, <laughs> so Salem, his brother, sacrifices himself. And obviously, uh, Jamal Colin, his brother, who gives the phone to Latika, you know, it's it's a really nice ending where he gets to speak on the phone to him. Uh, yeah. To uh, but I just wish there had been a reason for the last answer. Like, he just guesses A, which you could argue makes it even more, like, yeah. it was written, because it's just like a leap of faith. He's just like, yeah, A. Like, but even if the answer, even if the answer was D, it would make it better, because, you know, like, that was the it was written option, given at the start and the end of the movie. You know, on, like, the black screen. And it's like, yeah. how, did, how does Jamal get this far? Is it A, because he's cheating? B, he gets lucky. C, he's a genius. Or D, it was written. Like, if Aramis yeah, was, was option bit, Yeah, you're right. A, that would have been more clever. Yeah. So Aramis is option D. Like, I'm going to pick D because it was written, but they chose A. So I, I don't know. Yeah, they could have. I mean, like, they could have made it so he takes the money and they could have made it so it was wrong. And it would have kind of been like, I mean, I felt that was a point they could have made if they'd done that. But, you know. I guess they didn't have to make a point, so yeah, there we go. Yeah. Anyway, I can do all that. Uh, so I was thinking, yeah, you were gonna, you were about to move on to something. I was about to move on to something, Michael. I was going to move on to the host. <clears throat> oh, the host. Yeah, the host. The host with the, the most. The host with the most. Well, yeah, the most money who's ever come from a slum, apparently. Um, what was he called? I'm going to get him up because I don't want to get it wrong. 
Um, Anil Kapoor as Prem Kumar. So that's him. Harold Kumar. Yeah, Harold, Harold and Kumar. <laughs> yes. Um, so, this guy. Right, this guy, this guy. Okay. Why does he want to sabotage Jamal? Like, it is so, like... Surely it would make him even more famous if Jamal ended up winning the money. It's great for the show, so therefore it's great for the host. You get international attention. Now, there's this idea, like, oh, maybe he doesn't want someone else to emulate his success and take the attention away from him. But, like, think of the fame that would come from that story. Like, the ratings he would have gotten, like, and did obviously get. Like, it would have been... Like I say, just a, the story would have garnered international attention. He would have been doing interviews. He would have become a big star. Uh, maybe not just in India. And he's just like, nah, I don't want it to happen. Because, oh, then this guy would take the show away from me. It's just such a bullshit reason, Michael. Yeah, it is. It's silly. Um, and also, like, the fact, I mean, the fact that, like, Mr. Mr. Jamal, him, Jamal himself kind of just, like, doesn't really acknowledge the fact this guy just tried to sabotage him. He's just like, um, yeah, I think you're trying to sabotage me. I mean, I guess he wouldn't have had much of an opportunity to acknowledge it. But I like to think like that Mr. Jamal would um would get in trouble. I mean, not sorry, not Mr. Jamal. Mr. Millionaire guy would like there'd be a, a moment afterwards where Jamal was like, hey, you know that guy? He tried to feed me the wrong answer. Um, <laughs> or maybe someone would walk in and like he did admit to somebody. He admitted to the police that he fed him a wrong. Well, I don't think I don't know if he did admit to the police he fed him a wrong answer. He admitted to some dude he fed him the wrong answer. And also, when he got the police to come over for cheating, it might have been because he was like, oh, I gave him the wrong answer. And so basically, there's a big thing connecting him back to giving somebody the wrong answer. So maybe he's going to get fired. Well, in, it's in, in my head, Jeremy, apparently. Well, you know, they say that. But um, do you know that Jeremy Clarkson's doing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Yeah, now? I know. Because I know this because Dylan is a big fan of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and he watched it uh, all the, whenever it was on, like, back in March or April or whatever. Wow. Yeah. How do you feel about the show Who Wants to Marry a Billion Bears? Is that an actual show? I think, you know, it's from The Simpsons for some reason. Oh, okay. I, I, well, if it's from The Simpsons, it must be funny. Yeah, I know, yeah. Um, so, basically, what we've learned here is, have you ever seen a video of the guy who is really confident that he's going to win, um, who wants to be a millionaire, and then he loses really early? No, I haven't, no pretty funny i thought but you were going to say the guy who's really confident he's going to win a million because of his dad that was the first oh yeah, and he says, oh yeah and he says um hey dad i don't need your help i just want to let you know i'm going to win the myth can we talk about that episode have you actually seen it all the way through uh, yes i have yes uh, so this is this might just be me but many of those answers were incredibly staggeringly obvious i think yes. like for example the 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 penultimate or, or perhaps tersh ultimate that's my patersh ultimate. That's my word for third, third last question. Was like, which of these religions is polytheistic? Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, or Hinduism? Like that was one of the questions. It was like towards the end, and I was like, seriously? Poly means many. Theistic yeah. is obviously belief in God. So which yeah. which religion believes in many gods? Hmm, it's not Ooh, Christianity. So it's not Buddhism. Yeah. It's not Islam. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. maybe it's Hinduism. They've got like fifty of them. Like the thing is, like I'm not going to say like I could have done it as well because I don't know anything about uh, which president appeared in on Laughed In. Yeah, I but I think like I I kind of was thinking about it as I was doing it. And I'm pretty sure that with the three lifelines plus um you know just basic knowledge, I think I could have won the million there too. Um, yeah, I know that I was watching it and I was like, oh my god, these questions are really easy. And yeah, I didn't know. Sorry, I just I didn't know it was yeah, the fine. American version, but they just do easier questions because they just want 
because Americans aren't that smart. And they also just want because to pay a mi- million million dollars is worth less in America. Yeah, or and, it was just yeah. it was one of the early iterations of the show, and they just wanted the millionaire quickly, and then they made it harder. Yeah. Afterwards. Well, I heard that um that uh there was actually quite a long period where I think actually that guy, I might be lying about this, but I think that guy was actually in season two, and in season one they hadn't had a single millionaire. Yeah, no, he was the first one to win it. Yeah. Yeah, so they were like, okay, well, yeah, we've got to make somebody win. So, yeah, but yeah, basically, so I think that would have been a good, good film. Yeah, about that guy. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so. So yeah, I mean, basically, what we've established is yeah, the, the the guy is just ridiculous. The motivation is kind of kind of dumb. Um, it's very dumb, Michael. Yeah, and I think the other thing is like by making his interrogation so ridiculously violent. They kind of needed to retroactively justify the serious amount of suspicion. Like they could have just made it so, you know, he was doing well. So the police take him in for questioning, and they're like, "Hey, we want to know like why why are you doing so well?" And then he just you know explains it. He's like, "Oh, here's here's why." But instead, they had to go for the the being electrocuted until you fall unconscious mm. angle. And at that point, they had to create some kind of serious amount of suspicion. Yeah, that's a good point. If the, if the coast doesn't sabotage Jamal, then he isn't taken into police questioning, is he? Because then nobody suspects anything. And therefore, like, so, so it, then he needs to somehow get an answer right when people, when someone like the host tells him it's the, tells him the wrong answer. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how you get that to happen without it being insanely dumb. Like the host yeah. wants to sabotage him because like he said, actually, at the beginning of the next show, on the on the next night, it's like, oh, this is the biggest night of both of our lives. And he clearly yeah. acknowledges that it's going to make him famous, as is it's, it's going to make Jamal famous as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's I don't know how you do it, Michael. And yeah. I need to would you would it. you consider him to be a Tom fool? Yeah, yes, I I would. I would yeah. consider him to be a Tom. And I've had it with this this Tom foolery. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you got anything more to say on the host? Uh, no. Uh, I guess he kind of seems like a dick, but I think Chris Tarrant also feels a bit like a dick. No, Chris Tarrant isn't a dick. Well, I don't know. Okay, so like, I feel like in my head, I remember like sometimes they're like, you know, when there's like people who are kind of like nice but a bit lame on you know reality TV, and the host is really mean to them. I relate to that because I'm also nice and not at all lame. <clears throat> Yeah, no, so, no yeah. he pokes one so fuck him. Chris Tarrant. It's, like, it's just, Let's... just a bit of banter. Just a bit of banter, Michael. Yeah, okay, I, just, well. I just want to point out, by the way, obviously we, we talked about just the, the plot and the, the structure of the plot and uh, obviously all the millionaire stuff, but on the poster, have you seen the poster for this film or the poster uh, on the Wikipedia page? No, I am quite fond of posters, as you'll remember from our Justice League review, but no, I didn't see the poster for this one. Yeah, it says Slumdog Millionaire. And I quote, feel good film of the decade. Now, yeah, I don't know about a, you, but I would not describe this as a, as a feel good film. But what about, the, what about the dance fight? Dance fight, that, that is one point in favor of being a feel good film. It's not a dance fight actually, is it? It's just a regular yeah, dance. Yeah, regular dance. But it doesn't even have the aggression of a, of a dance fight, so. Yeah, I think apart from that, that, it's a pretty brutal movie. You have writing. Ethnic yeah. conflicts, which results in murder. You have a child Children being blinded, being... yeah, prostitution, yes. and then some more murdering after that. It's not really feel good, is it, Michael? Yeah, I mean, um, and let's be honest, there's no actual uh, systemic change. So, uh, what do you mean? I mean, like, there's no. It's it's not like 
India's any better. Basically, it's just like some guy who is from a really crap situation um, did 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 well for himself. Yeah. Um, there is actually one thing I want to talk about about this film. Now that I think about it, so the whole thing is like, oh, this slum dog is going to make millions of pounds or millions of rupees, and he came from the slums, but it doesn't actually seem that hard based in this film to do be successful when you come from the slums. Like Jamal wasn't that unsuccessful. I mean, like he, he had like a kind of, I mean, I'm going to sound a bit stereotypical here, but he had like what seems like a kind of standard Indian job. Wow. I mean, it was like a, you know, working at a call center. Wow. Um, yeah. I didn't know so, about Indian. So yeah, it was, it was like a pretty normal, normal job. Uh, his brother was just, you know, like very rich. Um, obviously for yeah. criminal reasons, but still very rich. And then the the woman, while she was obviously you know, not in a great situation, she was married to an incredibly rich dude. So basically, you've got three people who all came from the slums, and without who wants to be a millionaire, they were all still kind of doing like not too bad for themselves anyway. So really, when you think about it, winning winning who wants to be a millionaire was just icing on the cake. You really could have made this film about, uh, you know, let me tell you a story about how I was a child in the slums, and then um, I get to wear a shirt to I, work every yeah, day. I, I wore a shirt to work every day, and eventually I, I made some money, and I was able to get a down payment on a on a house and have children. You could have made a film like Neoliberalism the movie. It would be like so so kids. I was working in a sweatshop, and with the money I earned from that sweatshop, I was able to pay to send my children to school. And because my children went to school, the teachers got some money, and they were able to buy stuff. And eventually, our economy was bought from the ground, built from the ground up by people willing to buy stuff made in that sweatshop. Uh, wonderful stuff. Yeah, I love it. Um, I, I mean, I guess he was successful, but yeah, I mean, just go straight. You just need to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, and you can do anything. Yeah, when yeah. who wants to be a millionaire? When who wants to be a millionaire? Um, yeah. So what we've learned, Luke, is that um, was it? Yeah, interesting. Um, I think to be honest, it's a well, it's a very simple plot. Yeah, it's just the story is just it's it's incredibly interesting. It's kind of like it's like a Shakespeare play. If obviously Shakespeare had, he wants to be a millionaire. Yeah, it's it's um, it's that kind of just like jeep. It's it's just a great story. That's yeah. really what it is. Just a great story. It's like Othello. Yeah, and as long as long as it's executed well. Well, you think I I think like Romeo and Juliet. Like it's not that complicated a plot, is it? It's like just two houses that don't like each other and two people fall in love. But obviously, it's one of the most famous stories yeah. of all time. Two houses that don't like each other, just like Hindus and Muslims. Oh, there you go. Uh, but yeah. It's- if only the, um, the the woman was Hindu, who he falls in love with. I mean, she might be. You never find yeah, out. She but- might be. Who knows? So yeah, it's just like the story is just incredibly good. And as long as it's executed well, which it was, then yeah, it's going to be a very successful movie. Uh, and it's going to win a lot of accolades, like it did. Yeah, I'm not surprised this film uh, did well. Also, actually, you know what? Speaking of Crash, um, I suppose Crash also had. So this film, it wasn't it wasn't an anthology film because it was about one person. But I do realize there is actually a whole thing people like. Um, you kind of even see this with um, American Beauty. It's the classic. Lots of different characters have their own stories. Um, so, and obviously, this film it's a it's a bit more of a a bit more of a personalized thing so it's one character mm-hmm. with lots of different stories but i think i think actually academy awards they like that they like films that are about lots of different characters with um lots of different stories and you know if they if they don't have lots of different characters with lots of different stories they'll settle for one character with lots of different stories mm-hmm. okay. yeah, they'll, they'll settle for it fair enough uh so yeah so we've discussed the plot 
I think now, Michael, it is time to talk about the reaction to this movie in India. Yes. Yes. So I just want to talk about the box office first, and then you can get on to uh, the criticism that it faced generally uh, from India. So a few few analysts have offered their opinions about the film's performance at the Indian box office. Trade analyst Kamal Nata commented, There was a problem with the title itself. Slumdog is not a familiar word for a majority of Indians. Basically, just it didn't do as well as India as one might think. Um, and yeah, that's interesting. Like, Slumdog isn't a familiar word, and the police detective, he says it, like, twice. Like, oh, what does the Slumdog know? Ah, oh, so the Slumdog shows him bark. And it's interesting that. And that was a terrible accent, by the way. You know? Uh, but yes, the Slumdog is, it's not a familiar word, apparently, in India. Um, and with the exception of Anil Kapoor, the film lacks recognisable stars, and the film is not ideally suited for Indian sentiment. Uh, and to hear Slumboy speaking perfect English doesn't seem right, but when they are speaking Hindi, the film seems much more believable. So there you go, there are some of the reasons why perhaps it didn't do as well in India as you might expect. But I did read actually, it did very well after it won the Oscar. Uh, so I'm just going up here to do it in India. Here we go. So yeah, the film's takings in India increased 400, 470% following week after its success at the 81st Academy Awards. Uh, so yeah, there you go. So that's the just yeah. the box office stuff. Do you want to tell us about the reaction? Okay. From India? Well, uh, I can I can read a bit from from Wikipedia. I'll start off with um, mm. the film Slumdog Millionaire uh, has been subjected to a number of criticisms, notably regarding how it portrays Indian society and alleged exploitation of some of the actors. And you can pretty much summarize those two things by saying number one, uh, a lot of people felt like it was overemphasizing the the poverty in India and like basically making India look like some kind of third world backwater. Um, and the, more to the point, a lot of people don't like the fact that many of the um, slum child actors living in the slums were like not paid anything close to a decent wage. Yes. They were just like, oh yeah, we'll just um, have them in, in the slums. Just, you know, it's fine. Because um, they're in slums. They just just do what you're doing, slum kids, and we'll film. Um, so that's not good. Um, the other thing is I noticed this, like this film made me think like, you can't go anywhere in India without being robbed. <laughs> like every single, like there, there, there's some people just watching, um, a little outdoor theater performance and there are these Indian kids like climbing up the, um, I guess it was like scaffolding for, for the outdoor seating arrangements. And they're like reaching in underneath people and taking all their stuff. And I'm like, wow, I'm never going to India. Yeah. I'll get my car ruined. Mm. So, My wife will pressure me into giving someone a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I was just looking here the the reactions from India, and piece, for example, some some guy uh, said it's like it's a very anti-Indian film. All the bad elements of Mumbai commercial cinema are put together in a very slick way, and it underlines and endorses what the West thinks about us. It is falsehood built upon falsehood, and at every turn, it's fabricated. At every turn, it is built on falsehood. I was ashamed to see it being appreciated wildly in the West. Fortunately, Indians are turning it down. Wow. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, though, Luke. Like, some people are always going to complain, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but it is, uh, in- it is interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, I mean, like, I guess the thing is, I think it's it's a bit... Um, the problem really isn't the film. It's that people don't really know much about India in the West at all. So, in fact, actually, you know what, Luke? I want to talk about this. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, like Apu? 
Yeah. I had a really good take on Apu uh, recently, and it was basically that the problem with Apu isn't that he's an Indian stereotype. The problem, because obviously everyone in Simpsons is an Indian stereotype, that you obviously know about Apu, the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. You said everyone uh, in Simpsons is an Indian stereotype. Do you mean sorry, everyone yes. is just a stereotype? <laughs> everyone's a stereotype. Um, so everyone's a stereotype in The Simpsons. However, and this is the important thing, uh, the other cultures which are stereotypes in The Simpsons are very well understood. For example, everyone's like, oh, well, well groundskeeper Willie. He, he's a stereotype. And people are like, oh, Luigi, he's an Italian stereotype and blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, like, Americans, as as much as is reasonable, know quite a bit about Scottish culture. They know quite a bit about Italian culture. I mean, obviously, you know, they're not, like, experts on it, but they know the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because, you know, a lot of them have heritage in the area. But obviously, when it comes to India, eh, people don't really know anything. I mean, they know that uh, they poo in rivers. Yeah, so I think your take is similar to my take. I don't think we've discussed this before, but my take on the whole Apu thing is like, like it's what other Indian stereotypes or what other Indian characters are there in American culture? Like none. So yeah, it's like obviously you've got what, what's the restaurant guy called the Italian guy in The Simpsons? Yeah, Luigi. 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 Which is it's an Italian right. stereotype. Like it's just as bad or or whatever you'd like to say as Apu but the issue with Apu is well there's no one else with Luigi you've got like the Sopranos and like the Godfather yeah. and like Mario like there's all that stuff so people aren't going to repeat like Luigi's catchphrase but with Apu like because it's just Apu there's no one else people are going to say like thank you come again to yeah. Indian Americans or just people from India in America because that's it that's the only thing that they have there's not like a wide arrive Indian like characters in culture so yeah, they've just got Apu. So that's what they're gonna think. They're gonna, yeah. they're gonna like, uh, yeah, say those phrases. And so when people say, "Oh, Apu yeah. ruined," oh, what was that guy? He he made like a documentary on how Apu caused him a lot of hassle. People. Oh 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 oh. Um, I can't remember his name actually, but he made the film was called the documentary yeah. was called the problem with Apu. Yeah, the problem with Apu. It's like, oh, there's not a problem with Apu. The problem I think is just He's with America. Or yeah, the West. Like the West, there's not, yeah. there's not other Indian characters. And so, yeah, yeah like, but if there was loads of different Indian characters in popular culture, you wouldn't have, like, everyone just focusing on the Simpsons one. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, and I actually have two other things to mention about, uh, not necessarily, like, criticism, um, mm-hmm. but kind of, like, things relating to this film and Bollywood. So, first of all, I did see uh, an interview um, mostly because I was curious about like some of the reaction, and I found a guy who wasn't actually criticizing the film like from a moral standpoint in a way a lot mm-hmm. of other people were. He was kind of just making an observation. What he basically said is that, uh, and it, it's very funny when you think that this film is called the Feel Good Film of the Year because he was basically saying that uh, Indian Bollywood is um, in a position where like the West was kind of in in maybe the fifties, uh, where there was a lot of like aspiration and an idea of like um, like the American dream. Uh, and things like that. So yes. like everyone's like, oh, it's all looking up. Uh, and that's where Indian culture is right now. So a lot of the Indian films are kind of crap, basically. But, um, but they're all like just really happy, really, um, like charming stories. And he was saying like, oh, yeah, this film is like insanely dark for uh, an audience who's used to Indian films. So it's funny that it's called the, the feel good film of the year. Um, <laughs> The other thing is what I said about Bollywood being crap. So basically, I tried. There was a Bollywood film on, uh, which obviously doesn't happen very often. A Bollywood film on, I think Film Four, 
and I was watching it and it was just so, so terrible. Just so, and like, I don't know, maybe knowing the language helps a bit, but like the editing was bad. The, the production looked cheap. And like, here's the thing, like the, the amount of songs they sung, it reminded me of like Mamma Mia, where it just came like out of nowhere. And then I don't know if you know this about me, Luke, but I actually have a, a quote unquote Indian grandma because, uh, my dad's parents divorced and my granddad ended up marrying an Indian woman. So obviously from my dad's perspective, it's his stepmother, but because, uh, she's been around since, you know, I was born, she's been like my grandma to me. So she's an Indian grandma. So therefore I'm allowed to say things about Indian culture, even though I have no Indian heritage <laughs> myself. But like, basically I was talking to her and she was saying like, um, that she just finds, uh, Bollywood films really crap. Uh, so <laughs> apparently basically there is a, a thing. Well, um, you know what, and, Michael, this is very interesting yeah. because my grandmother was actually born in India. So I actually do have Indian heritage. Gasp. Gasp. Well, yes. Yeah. The whole minute was she, she a white person born in India. Have a, have a guess. Uh, I mean, guess yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's crazy. I, I mean, like you kind of fear, I mean, it's not even that impressive nowadays because you hear like, um, like J.R.R. Tolkien, who's just so white, was born in Nigeria because, <laughs> you know, because of empire. How lovely. Yeah. So I could play for the Indian national football team, Michael. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Um, and they're, they're so, they do so great, don't they? That they do so great. I'd be so proud to represent India. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so that's a, oh, oh, actually, you know what? I'm just scrolling down here. There's some academic criticism of, uh, some of millionaire. And that's something that might be, might be interesting to the both of us. Um, yeah, but I do agree with you on Bollywood. Like it's just, I've seen some Bollywood stuff and it's just shit. Yeah. Have you ever seen, there's like a subreddit called Bollywood physics and it's basically like how like Bollywood films are just completely ridiculous. Like there's a scene where a bunch of people hold hands, uh, like they, they kind of, get together into a big collective ball and with, with shields around them. It's from like a kind of, you know, medieval, uh, or whatever the Indian equivalent to medieval yeah. times was. And they're in a catapult. The catapult fires them over the wall. Um, and they like land and roll around because they're like a ring of people with shields mm-hmm. on them. Uh, and it's just, it's so crazy. Um, yeah. So yeah, basically, I don't know, maybe one day Indians will learn to make good films. Yeah, it but just seems like. Is, what about Nollywood? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it just seems incredibly simplistic. Like, it's just the films, like, you've got the heroes, you got the bad guys. It's literally, like, stuff that has been made, like you said, in America in, like, the 50s and the 60s or whatever. Like, you know, yeah. it's just, like, incredibly simple stuff that people apparently in India just lap up, which is very disappointing. Yeah. Hopefully their standards improve. Um, yeah. Yeah, we can only hope. Um, so, yeah, anyway, onto the academic criticism. Yes. So the film has been subject to serious academic criticism. Mitu Sengupta raised substantial oh, doubts. Me too. Did she start the Me Too movement? <laughs> <laughs> she raises substantial doubts about both the realism of the film's portrayal of urban poverty in India and whether the film will assist those arguing for the poor. Rather, Sengupta argues the film's reductive view of such slums is likely to reinforce negative attitudes to those who live there. The film is therefore likely to support policies that have tended to further dispossess the slum dwellers in terms of material goods, power, and dignity. Um, so what do you think of that, Michael? Well, I mean, so here's the thing. So a criticism of a lot of, like, issue films, especially issue films that are generally enjoyed by uh, the Academy Awards and um, who is mostly you know, a bunch of old white men, um, is that there's often the criticism that they are reductionist so i feel like i keep going back to it but it's just great um crash 
Uh, one of the reasons why everyone hates Crash is because Crash is an incredibly reductionist idea of racial tension. I don't know if you've seen it. But, I haven't seen it. How- okay, every single like racist character has a very clear, like distinct motivation for their racism. It's like, when I was a kid, a black man shot my dad or, you know, um, I wanted to go to college, but because of affirmative action, I couldn't. Like every single person, they're in the entirety of their racism is rooted in just, I'm angry about this one particular thing that happened. And the film essentially portrays the solution to racism to be like, oh, wait, some people are actually good. And turns out that the fact that a black guy shot my dad isn't a reason to think that all black people are bad. And um, it kind of ignores the fact that that's not really not really how racism works. Um, yeah, it's not a legitimate it's a lot like, point either, yes. Yeah, it's not a lot like the episode of Avatar The Lost Airbender, The Divide, but let's not talk about that. Yeah, let's not. Um, so, and, and yeah, in that case, like, um, I'm not really sure if I understand exactly what they mean in saying that the depiction of poverty is reductionist. I suppose maybe it's got something to do with the fact that if you've ever watched, um, like, that thing where the guy went into the slums in India. Uh, I can't remember who it was or why he did it, but he, there was a documentary series about the slums in India. Yeah. And one of the things that he was talking about was like how there's all sorts of like industry and there's a lot of um, like basically kind of normalizing the slums and kind of saying like actually yeah. it's more complicated. I guess that's kind of the, the best approach um, mm-hmm. to it, like to show how actually people in slums do live actual lives that are somewhat comparable to real life. Like they have jobs and things like that. Yeah. It's just obviously not better. Uh, so yeah. Well, that's, I can imagine that. That's what he means, like, with, yeah. um, with the reductive view. It's like, oh, everybody in the slums steals stuff, everybody's dirty, it's a horrific place to live, um, and people there, you know, they'll they'll steal off you, you know, they are, yeah. they, they are always looking to trick you, etc., etc., um, and obviously, Sankups is saying, it's more nuanced than that, and it's, you know, and if people think that people in the slums are like that, the situation for those people, obviously, isn't great. It's not going to get better because it's just going to reinforce the negative attitudes that people have towards those uh, people who live in those slums. So that's yeah. the thing, like it doesn't portray the slum like people. <laughs> it's like it's a pretty grotesque view of Indian poverty, like or, or yeah. living in po- poverty in India. Um, it's like all the shit that happens. There's not one moment of like, oh yeah, things are bad down here, but you know. We, there are some little things yeah. which make life enjoyable. Like you just watch this movie and you're thinking, why, why do you even want to live? Like if, <laughs> if, you're, if you're in, yeah. in these Indian slums, like it must be your life must be so shit. Yeah, I also think like one of the weird things about this film is I don't think it did a good job of delineating the economic and social divides within India because you've kind of got like this weird situation where, and I guess this kind of comes back to the problem that all the characters in this film seem to be bizarrely upwardly socially mobile, regardless of the, uh, who wants to be a millionaire. But like, you've got this weird situation where India is a place where it's like, Oh, there's this incredible poverty comparable to, you know, I mean, I'd say like, you know, African, like, you know, uh, what's that? Um, oh, it doesn't matter. Kibera. There's a really massive slum in Africa called Kibera. But even then, like it's even worse than that. It's like this poverty that literally doesn't actually exist on the planet in India. And then at the same time, India is a place with, um, a burgeoning tourist industry of you know people who are happy to come there and also a place where there is you know lots of people own, own tvs and uh there's you know uh who wants to be a millionaire and it's kind of like and obviously you know there's there's mansions like that that his his 
bit on the side, wink, uh, lives in a mansion at one point. Yeah. So it's kind of like this weird situation where it's like, obviously, India is very rich, but I don't think the film like, does a good job at exactly communicating what the nature of the divide is, because it's just like, oh, um, you know, it's, it's like the the rich parts are just places that you can just casually drop into as the story requires. Yeah, um, well, there was a uh, there was a line from, like, uh, what's it called? Salander Buddha. It's like, uh, see, those, that's where our slums used to be. Yeah, that's true, yeah. And it's like, now India's the centre of the world, and I'm at the centre of the centre of the world, and finding that there's, you know, changing uh, urban aspirations and prospects for mobility that can be seen in cities such as Mumbai. Um, so, yeah, there is that as well. Uh, but there's another criticism, which we'll tackle now. So, Anna Cristina Mendez places Boyle's film in the context of the aesthetic. Oh my god, it's not been a good day for me pronouncing things, has it? Aestheticizing and showcasing of yeah. poverty in India for artistic and commercial purposes, and proceeds to examine the modes of circulation of these representations in the field of cultural production, as well as their role in enhancing the processes of ever increasing consumption of India related images. So, what do you think of that, Michael? So, okay, that kind of seemed like it was like um, almost related to cultural appropriation. Yes. Like so, yeah. Um, I kind of think that. Like, I was thinking, um, this film makes Indians look really Indian a lot of the time. Like, um, they're all wearing, you know, saris. I think they're called saris. Yeah. Like a lot of the women are wearing saris. Um, and yeah, I guess. It, yeah, it's, it's, I assume that India is probably, uh, not like that. I assume that you go there and people maybe look just like regular people. So yeah, I agree. I mean, there's not really much to say about that because I think it's probably true. And, um, you know, my, my culture is not your prom dress. Yeah. What do you, where, argue with that. where do you stand on that issue? My culture is not your prom dress. I'll tell you what, actually, there's, this ties into a good story. It ties into what I was doing New Year's Eve. Oh um, my God. Well, I went out to see my uncle and auntie, okay, and... Sure, uh, wearing a Chinese prom dress. Well, it's it's surprisingly, you're not that far off, but you're a bit far off. So my auntie's kind of like a, a stereotypical middle-class liberal, who's kind of just like a liberal because they have to be, because, you know, they're white and middle-class. Um, but uh, when she got married in the 1980s, late 1980s, mm-hmm. to my uncle, uh, she got married in an Indian wedding dress, like a, a sari okay. uh, with a bin, with a bindi um and she is she's white everyone that is in her family is white um and aside from the fact that this is my uncle who has the indian step mother um he is also pretty he is also completely white uh, and the reason why she did it is cuz she likes the um the aesthetic and i kind of just like always thought it was a bit weird like it's because i obviously this has been like something i've been aware of for ages like i've I've seen wedding pictures people tend to have wedding pictures up and i've always just seen my you know white auntie in this indian wedding dress and i thought to myself that's strange to me and i think because of that i kind of struggle to have a, a political opinion on it um but i think actually if i were to have a really good political opinion it would probably be kind of the same as my opinion on the whole apu thing um which is, it's like, if you don't really understand or appreciate the culture where something comes from, mm-hmm. then I can understand people not liking it. And I guess the other thing is um, the cultural appropriate. I guess I'm kind of going to talk about cultural appropriation in general um, because yeah. I don't know, like specifics of uh, it's it kind of um, the it it 
reinforces an idea of a post-racial harmony that doesn't actually exist. So it's kind of just like a way of communicating a message of, um, hey, you know, every, everything is great. We can dip into each other's cultures. We can have fun. I can wear an Indian wedding dress because I think it looks pretty, pretty sexy. And then at the same time, like Indians are getting curry thrown at them in the streets. Are they getting curry thrown at them in the streets? Is that is uh, that your meatball they, thing last last week with the the Italians? Yeah, yeah. They they better be. Um, I mean, they're getting no, yeah. racially abused, but I don't know if they're getting like curry thrown at them specifically. Yes, yeah. So basically, I think like that's kind of the thing. Like a lot of people say, oh, but what we should want is a society where you know everyone like engages in each other's cultures and all cultures are, are you know mixed together in a massive melting pot, and that's true. Uh, the problem is like that's that's the that is the result of the ideal of the goal of ending racism. So you end racism, you end cultural hegemony, and then because of that, all cultures are on a level playing field, and then you can dress up in your Native American headdress. Yeah. Um, but we're not there yet. Up until, yeah, up until that point, you're kind of just like, it's like you're LARPing as somebody who lives in, do you know what LARPing stands for? No. Okay, it stands for live action role playing. It's basically just a way of like saying pretending. All it's right. basically like a nerdy way of saying pretending. You're LARPing as somebody who lives in a world where racism doesn't exist. And I guess the other thing, it kind of, again, it all comes back to the I don't see racism thing. It's like, oh yeah, I'm, hey man, I don't see culture. I just thought it was a neat dress, bro. I assume. Yes. So anyway, yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything to add to that? No, I think you summed it up pretty well. Like, I, ideally in the future, yeah, we can do stuff with other cultures, you know, but the fact is, like, some cultures do face racism and it would be, rather uh, insensitive to like pretend or like oh i'm gonna dress up like this person or isn't that cute when this person faces racial abuse yes. and you know lower employment opportunities and discrimination on a daily basis uh, yeah yeah because of their culture so yeah. yeah yeah i did see one thing which i didn't agree with uh it's, it's my go-to example of when like sometimes you have to realize that like people are wrong which is this chinese woman wrote an editorial like thing where she basically said when I was growing up, little kids used to make fun of my Chinese food, but now people go to Chinese restaurants and that annoys me. And I was like, yeah, but like little kids are just dumb. You know, that's not really a race issue. It's just like, like kids are like, oh, Brussels sprouts. Um, so basically, sometimes people just need to get over it. Yeah. That's what we need. We need like a good balance between the people who, the dismissive people who are just like, oh, get over it, you snowflake. And the people who are like, um, excuse me, you can't eat turkey. On Christmas, because I'm from Turkey. <laughs> yeah, those people. Those people. Anyway, anyway um, so we've got one more academic criticism, Michael. One more. That's yeah, good. one more. So I, I'm, I was hoping that you'd be able to help me with this one, because I believe it's to do with religion. So I'll just read this yes. out. So academic criticism has also been extended to the underlying philosophy of the film, with its apparent ends justify means message. Many elements of the film, including the apparent redemption of Salem at the end of his life and the film's subjugation of the suffering of peripheral characters to the romantic aspirations of Jamal, are characteristic, say, such critics, of a naive, providence-based vision of reality. And that providence-based vision of reality uh, is, in theology, divine providence or just providence, it's God's intervention in the universe. The term, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so I can I can tell you a very basic thing or two okay. about Hinduism, but I should clarify that Hinduism is one area where I don't know much at all. Uh, so basically, in Hinduism, there are three words that all sound really similar, which are Brahma, Jama, and Karma. Uh, Karma. And Bra- 
Brahma is um, the... So it's kind of like a lot of people say Indians believe in multiple gods, but it's kind of a bit confusing because Brahma is one god who is also the universe. So Hindus believe that God, the universe itself is like God and every aspect of the universe has like a consciousness. And then the various quote-unquote Hindu gods, the, the Hindu pantheon, is actual different representations mm-hmm. of Brahma, which kind of makes it similar to like the Trinity. Although anytime anyone attempts to discuss the Trinity, uh, it usually ends up with them committing a heresy. So I probably shouldn't say it's like the Trinity because then someone will say, actually, in the Council of Nicodopus, they condemned the idea that the Trinity is just different representations of God, and then I get in trouble. But it's kind of similar. Um, yeah, I get what you mean by that. Basically, the thing is, so the idea is in Hinduism that. Uh, the universe is like naturally just chugging along and you've got to find your own particular place in it, which is like your jama. And your jama is like just doing what you're supposed to do. So you, you just got to go with it. That's kind of like where the whole caste system comes from. Cause it's like, Oh, the workers, they just got to go with that thing working. Um, and obviously there's been like Hindu reforms, which made it slightly less classes, but whatever. Uh, and then you've got your karma, which is basically like, how good you're doing with that thing. And if you're doing good, then you're doing good. And if you're doing bad, you're doing bad. Um, and then of course, and that's, it's a very kind of collectivist mindset. Um, and also obviously one that's like not really about, uh, so, okay. This is what you call materialistic because God is not an external conscious agent acting on the universe. He is the universe itself. So there is really no distinction. Obviously in Christianity, you've got kind of like a dualism. So you've got God acting as a influencer of the world and also the world itself as a representation of God's sovereign will. However, under Hinduism, it's just the universe. The, the universe's material functions are God's actions. Okay. So basically, so in that context, what I guess it would be saying is so you've got um, the idea of like... Uh, Simon. Yeah. So basically, the idea of direct intervention on the part of God is a very Christian and more particularly Catholic idea. So the idea of like God comes down and directly and obviously intervenes. Mm-hmm. And I assume what this film is saying is like, I assume this film is basically saying that this is a, a Christian idea being imposed on a Hindu society. And uh, therefore what it's kind of saying is like the idea of all these like miraculous things happening is implying that there's some kind of active sovereign agent engaging in things where actually Hindu would believe that, you know, things just happen as they do. Um, so that's basically it. Uh, seemed kind of complicated, yeah. but it's kind of hard to explain. Okay, um, okay, so it's like all of this stuff like is an act of God, basically. Yeah, have you ever seen the, the end of the film Signs? Uh, like Mike Shyamalan? I don't think so, no. Okay, basically uh, Mel Gibson realises that uh, the reason the aliens came oh, yeah. was so that he could regain his faith in God. Uh, because he realizes that the aliens are um, allergic to water. So he's like, oh, wait. Yes. God put the aliens here so I could realize water kills them. <laughs> um, it's classic. Great film. Uh, so more importantly, though, so that, yeah, that, that one's like, that's a very esoteric criticism. Well, that's probably true. Like, like I say, the, the, there's a whole thing in philosophy between Eastern philosophy and Western philosophy. And I guess like the more you look into it, like uh, there's probably people who would argue that it's almost like an insurmountable divide because, and again, like uh, it's probably a lot of it's just, you know, uh, philosophers being nerds who like to overcomplicate things. 
But then if you do think about it, you could make an argument of like Western society views things on a fundamentally different level to a lot of Eastern societies, um, especially when it comes to like collectivism and individualism and all that kind of stuff. Having said that, you know, at the end of the day, one day we'll all be part of one massive Western global hegemony. But you should sure it'll be a Western hegemony, Michael. Okay, fine. China. Yeah, there we go. That's better. Yeah, but the thing is, like, okay, what about this? Uh, the old twist, because China's becoming, like, more and more Christian, like, in an underground kind of way. So it's, I think it's going to be, like, a Rome deal. I think it's, like, China takes over, and then they become, you know, they get the Constantine of China, and he becomes a Christian. And then it's, like, everything melts together, and we get some kind of horrible, perverse form of Christianity that molds together Chinese ideas with Christian ideas, and then... Um, great yeah then we'll all know what to believe so yeah so god's just back on this so the providence thing so god's continuous upholding of the existence of and natural of the universe and the special providence which refers to god's extraordinary intervention in the life of people ah see i think i was right on that because didn't i say luke that 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 that, that providence is talking about like god interfering in like a a direct way yes different yeah with miracles um, and stuff yeah, there's also another thing within Christianity, which is continuationism versus uh, secessionism. Nobody cares about that. It's not related to some government either. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess yeah, that sort of providence or divine providence did actually happen to Jamal in this because oh, it's a miracle. Like all the stuff he knows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all the stuff, all the questions he knows the answers to, and it's, yeah. it's a miracle that he managed to win. Who wants to be a millionaire? And you're saying that's that's not that's uh, contrary to. Uh, Indian or Hindu ideas of how yeah, the world works. but having said that, Jamal is a Muslim, so I don't really know how that fits into everything. That's just that's a good point. I mean, yeah. So I don't know um, because Islam's a whole different thing, and we're not even going to talk about that. Yeah. Because so, do you think it, it, from a Hindu perspective, though, Jamal should just be happy living his life? Yeah. Um, or I mean, that's the thing. It's it's always the problem, and a lot of even Christianity doesn't really work. Because Christianity, as you know, uh, one of the, the big things is like, for example, if someone takes your, your shirt, give them your jacket. And if somebody, um, and don't, don't judge anyone unless you've, if you've sinned, then you can't judge anyone because only the person who's committed no sins can cast the, the first stone. And as Stephen Fry in his long infamous rant pointed out, um, if we actually did that, we would have no justice system at all. It would be a complete disaster. So basically, I think there's kind of like an inherent problem where like religious ideals don't naturally uh, fix themselves onto a actual like actual existence on this planet. So I would kind of say like in the same way that you know when Jesus says give all your money to the poor, you're like oh, it probably means like ten percent or something. Um, you know, <laughs> he literally obviously. means give it all. <laughs> yeah, you're just like oh no, no it's ten percent. So like that's kind of it. So like, it's kind of like oh yeah, be happy being a, a slum dog. And even though that's not even the term they use, be happy being a slum person dweller and yeah. um, a slum dweller. And they go. Eh, nah, I'm good. So basically what I'm saying is that none of this matters because nobody actually follows their religions. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. And there we go. I guess who wants a millionaire does exist in India. And if you were to win a a million, then wouldn't it be a miracle? That's true. I mean, especially in India, even more unlikely because there's more people there. You know, you win it in the UK, it's like, oh, well done, you're one of like 70 million people. Um, But you win it in India, it's like, well done, oh, wow, you're like one in a billion. (laughs) Think about that. Think about how crazy because people say, "Oh man, she's one in a million. and that's like a thing, like one in a million. That's like a big thing. But in India, it's like one in a billion. Yeah, one in a million. Someone's like, someone, like yeah, someone's like, yeah, exactly. There are there are a thousand people in India who are a one in a million. It's crazy. Uh, it's crazy country. Crazy. So I think we should go through the characters now, Michael. 
Yes. About after the Athlete Criticisms, which I enjoyed. I think that was good. Yeah, well done. We managed to find some stuff. It was a good thing you found that old academic criticism thing, Luke. It's just literally on the Wikipedia page. Uh, I didn't have to look too hard for it. But anyway, the cast. So Dev Patel as Jamil Malik, a boy born and raised in the poverty of Bombay, Mumbai. Boyle considered hundreds of young male actors, and he found that Bollywood leads were generally strong, handsome hero types. And obviously he didn't want that. Uh, Boyle's oh, daughter that's... pointed Dev Patel out with his role in the British television ensemble drama Skins. Skins. Yes, yeah. Skins. So that is that's what I go. That was what I was going to say before about like Bollywood just being really simple. Like yeah, and I was going to say like in like the 1950s, you know, yeah. you think about like Sinbad. Yeah, just strong, always... handsome hero types. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and no sexy women. Yeah, exactly. No, nobody else. You just have to have incredibly attractive male and female leads. Yeah, and nothing else. So yeah, that's the thing about yeah. Patel. Um, also, I mean, I know this is like completely irrelevant. To, I mean, like a bit bad. Yeah. Like it's a kind of a thing to drop completely out of nowhere. But uh, I guess you might be aware that um, the Bollywood industry has a big habit of promoting light-skinned Indian people over dark-skinned Indian people. Yeah. No, there is. I um, read in India there is just this general. I don't know how to describe fetishization. It. Yeah, maybe yeah, fetishization yeah. of like white-skinned people, and it comes yes. from people who are like dark-skinned themselves. It's like, oh, if you're born with light skin, that makes you special. Yeah, they're all a bunch of Uncle Toms. Yeah, yeah, but just it's just so such a backwards culture, India. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get them. I'm let's sorry. give them some some. Let's go install some parliamentary democracy with our <laughs> our rifles. Yeah, but did, did we implement yeah. that, or was that already in? Um, it's kind of like a, like, I think that might be more of a neo-colonialism thing, but, uh, also it's kind of like hard to tell because one of the things, you know, there's like this thing that like white people invented the idea that white is good, but I'm kind of skeptical about that. Cause when you think about it, like, um, I think in a lot of cultures, there's the idea, like if you have like a pristine white clothing, then it shows that like it's clean, like you can afford to keep yourself clean. Whereas if you are wearing like, like dark skin as well. Yeah, yeah, I kind of feel like it, it might. Like, uh, obviously, it should be noted that I'm sure white hegemony has had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. But I also think that there probably is like a natural idea of like, and also you've got, for example, the fact that darkness is uh, is dangerous to human beings. You know, we're naturally scared of like nighttime. You know, uh, black people who say like, oh, um, you know, we're taught that, that that white is good and and black is bad. I bet some of them are still afraid of the dark. <laughs> So, so yeah, so they're hypocrites. Racism is justified because we're scared yep. of the dark. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, so so basically, before the British um, did what they did in India, um, you said you think that um, the Indian people still had this. Well, yeah, I think probably because obviously, I I think it might not have been as like um explicit. Probably, I think what would have happened was you probably had um. Because obviously India had a caste system, so you would have had very rich people. Mm-hmm. And I would just expect, because I think it's quite a common phenomenon, that the, the rich people would have tend to have worn lighter coloured clothing, which is, I believe, there's some basis. I think I'm not completely pulling it out of my arse when I say that a lot of the time rich people would wear light coloured clothing because it showed that they could keep it clean, uh, whereas poor people would typically wear you know, dark coloured clothing because yeah. they showed that they could. And I obviously, that that makes kind sense. Of like that's them. totally something yeah. rich people do, like get fat so they could prove that they could eat a lot. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, I think probably it's hard to tell. Also, apparently, sorry, I'm just going to, we can't talk about this at all, mostly because I don't know much about it, but apparently, according to my, again, Indian grandma, um, there is a really big religious, uh, hierarchy in Hollywood. 
uh, sorry, Bollywood, which actually puts surprisingly um, Muslims at the top, followed by so Muslims are like I don't know their version of Jews, um, you know, like all of them are actors. Uh, although actually Jews are more producers uh, it's a disaster anyway yeah but apparently it goes like Muslims and, and Hindus are quite high up there mm-hmm. but uh, apparently Christians are very rarely cast for some reason who knows hmm. just a fun fact oh, that's a fun fact so yeah that's really the only character so ca- characters yeah. characters oh yeah characters I do want to say one thing okay so I could have mentioned this on the plot I think that the Jamal's brother yeah was a bit um like his on and off going from like um Hey, I sold your autograph because I'm kind of like a little kid, and sometimes little kids are a bit, you know, dickheads to each other. To, um, hey, I'm going to save your life because I'm a nice guy. Uh, I don't want you to get your, I'm going to save your eyes rather because I'm a nice guy. Um, and then, of course, eventually the classic, um, I'm going to, okay, so here's the weird thing. I'm talking about the bit where he kicks his brother out. So Jamal gets kicked out by his brother mm-hmm. at gunpoint. Um, and at the same time, like, he kind of takes control of, of Latika. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of weird to me that Latika is later on implied to be a virgin, mostly because I'm like, didn't really look like she was coming out of that a virgin when he was like, hey, get <laughs> out of here. I'm keeping your girl. Um, so I don't know. Like, I guess good on him for not, uh, you know, unconsensually taking her virginity. Wait, who are you talking about? I'm talking about? I'm talking about... What, what's the brother's name? Salim. Who isn't Jamal? Salim. Yeah, so, that was after. No, 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 no. I don't think... I, okay, my time century was. Okay, I'm going to explain my understanding of chronology. So, Salim, they, they go to a, a flat. Yeah. Salim says... Actually, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I'm an idiot. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. So actually... Yeah, sorry, I was getting confused. I was thinking... I was confusing the two different gangsters. Ah, uh, right, I see. Yeah. I was confusing I gangster with... Um, you know, fat gangster, cricket gangster. Yeah, cricket so, gangster. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, there we go. So I think, based on that, I have no reason to conclude that um, Salim didn't commit sexual assault. And I think it's kind of like um, that kind of thing needs a bit of development. I mean, even if he didn't, like, let's just assume, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that the somewhat implied sexual assault didn't actually happen. He still kind of, you know, held a gun to his brother and kicked him out for seemingly no reason. Um, and it just felt a bit random. There's no reason because he didn't want him to be in the same room while he commit the sexual assault. Yeah, well, obvious. I mean, but then, yeah, but then we have the problem that you see either way, Luke. Either he committed the sexual assault, in which case I'm personally against that, or he kicked his brother out for no reason, which I am also personally against. Yeah, I, I, and I'd say those things are almost equal in, in badness. Yeah, kicking somebody out of the room equivalent yeah. to sexually assaulting somebody. Mm-hmm. So what? Yeah, but basically, uh, yeah, it was like. The, the the brother didn't really have he had an arc but it was kind of just like an arc that happened just like oh I guess he's he's a real massive dick now oh wait no now he's kind of good it's not um, an arc it's kind of just yeah. like a a triangle like it just he's yeah. going one way and suddenly he turns around and goes back yeah. down the other way yeah yes uh, it's not as good as City of God no no it is not which much. is also a film about slum yeah I guess so. Yeah, and I'm, God, like I was raising a favela. When I say a triangle, I mean like an acute triangle, obviously, not an obtuse triangle, like with a small angle, because, you know, an obtuse, an obtuse uh, triangle would, would basically, well, it'd be very similar to an arc, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's true, actually, yeah, 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 yeah you're right. Yeah, got to be an acute triangle. Uh, so, yeah, 
Uh, I, I don't Thanks want for to... clarifying that. You're welcome. Luke. welcome. That is important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I think we should um, wrap up now, Michael. Yeah, I think we should wrap up. Um, yeah. Do you want to go first? Uh, do you want to wrap up with a dance scene? See, so, okay, you've been talking about this dance scene throughout the podcast. <laughs> I just, I just find it. All I, all I do is I find it funny. <laughs> I just I just assume it's like oh this okay this is what happens in Bollywood movies so this is like a tribute to Bollywood yeah I think that's it um, so yeah as much as I I make fun of it um, it's fine <laughs> yeah it's fine I don't have a problem like it, it got me to watch the credits as well yeah that is true um, I just I think I think the main reason is even though I kind of implied that I had watched this before um, I have actually seen this before I saw it in a geography class mm-hmm. um, and at the time as you know I have a good friend Rehan. Yeah, um, I know. All about and uh, and he is—he's not actually Indian, but he's from Pakistan. And you know, you know how it is. You know how it's like fun to uh, blithely group people together in in a way. So you just pretend that somebody especially from Pakistan, if you're white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially if the two countries literally hate each other. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we we had some good fun. Just good fun making fun of him because <laughs> in- Indians were on were on a film, and he himself was from the Asian subcontinent. And therefore, we said, hey, look at them doing a little dance. Rehan, I bet you wish you could be doing your, your little dance, your, your brownie. <laughs> uh, and every, everyone found it funny. Um, everyone was just laughing. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, great stuff. Classic. Um, um, high school, like. Yeah. So anyway. So yeah, apart from that, um, do you want to wrap up, Luke? Yeah. Do you want to start? I'll, I'll start, Michael. I'll start. So uh, basically, okay, just the bad points first. Like, obviously, there's this, you know, there's this stuff about uh, the uh, the welfare and the illegal housing of the child actors and the portrayal of Indian communities and poverty in India. And obviously, we had a, a theological discussion about providence-based vision of reality and the Hindu-based vision of reality and all that, which is very interesting, uh, you know. But just it's putting that to one side. And then obviously the illegal housing of child actors is, is a big deal. But just just focusing on the movie, yeah, I thought it was good. I liked it. I did like the uh, the structure of it. You know, some people might criticize it as like gimmicky, but I was like, no, I do enjoy it. And I especially like I said before, I enjoyed the payoff when he got the question right because he was like, oh, I know where that comes from. I know how he got that question, how he got that question right, how he found out that answer, and that was something I very much enjoyed. Um, and yeah, like I said, I wish there was more millionaire bits because I thought those those were the best parts of the movie. The decision to sabotage Smile by the host is extremely frustrating, uh, and I, I wish they could have found a better way around it. But I get why they had to do that. And yeah, um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'd have to watch a serious man again to contend whether it was better than Slumdog Millionaire. But again, this is not the greatest movie ever, so I can imagine a serious man probably probably being better. But I still think yeah, it's a really really good movie. Uh, and yeah, I, the story is excellent. It's a really good story. So uh, yeah, and I'm going to give it a eight out of ten. Good. Um, so first of all, Luke, regarding the a serious man, it turns out actually that I was wrong. Uh, what I was doing was I was doing the classic. This was the 2009 Oscars, oh. obviously that Slumdog Millionaire won, uh, which means it was mostly reviewing films that came out in 2008. You see, I wasn't. I wasn't going to say. So rather confusingly, Slumdog Millionaire also came out in 2009, but it came out in January 2009. And of course, as I feel like we all know now, uh, A Serious Man came out in 2009, and it actually uh, was a contender um, for the 82nd 
Academy Awards, and I can't remember who won the Eighty Second Academy Awards. But let's ignore that for now and focus on the most important thing, which is actually. Well, the thing is, I was curious. I just want to say I thought Serious Man did come out in two thousand nine, but I was like, oh, he won't get that wrong. Yeah, that would be embarrassing for me. Well, to be honest, actually, what happened was I didn't get wrong that it was made in two thousand and nine. What I got wrong about was forgetting that the Oscars of 2009 would principally be for films of the previous year. Yeah. So I was thinking, oh, it was the 2009 Oscars in the 81st, you know. Yeah. So it would be looking, yeah. Anyway, so just in case you're interested, here here were the actual nominate nominees for um for Thingamabob. So there's The Curious Case of Benjamin uh, Button, which, of course, was that film starring Brad Pitt, I think. Yeah, Brad Pitt, yeah. As, yeah. That's not um, that good. I don't think Yeah, then there was, okay, this is actually a film which I've been, I've heard, like, recommended to me so many times. It's Frost Nixon, which is literally a film about an interview um, <laughs> between a guy called Frost and a guy called, maybe you've heard of him, Richard Nixon. Um, then there's Milk, which is about a, a gay rights activist, Harvey Milk. And then, and this is perhaps the biggest one, The Reader, which I've never heard of. And it's actually a German-American romantic drama film directed by Stephen Doldry, uh, based on the 1995 German novel of the same name. So basically... What I'm saying is, like, um, I mean, apparently Frost Nixon is really good, so maybe Frost Nixon should have won. But aside from that, Luke, let's let's actually me me wrap up now. So, Slumdog Millionaire is an overrated, or, or sorry, what it is? It's an example of a a not very good Best Picture nominee. And by that, I don't mean it's a bad film. I just mean it's one of those films where you're like, oh, you know, it won Best Picture. Wow. And you watch it, and you're like, okay, well, I mean, it's not. It doesn't seem like it was the best film of the year. Having said that, none of those films are that great, but um, you're just like, oh, it didn't seem like it was the best film of the year. Obviously, there are other times when it's like, you're like, wow, all of the nominees and the winner were just so great. You know, sometimes you get Oscars like that. Other time you get Oscars and you're like, hold a minute, all the nominees and the winner for that Oscars were just just rubbish. Um, but here's the thing. I, I, I say rubbish, but of course, I don't really mean rubbish. What I mean is rubbish for best picture. So the important thing is people will say, is this film not really worthy of being a best picture yeah you know i mean i'm sure that you could find a better film from 2008 slash early 2009 that would be better than this film having said that it's still a good film like it's, it's a good film for a film it's just a bad film for a best picture winner yeah it's below average said, best picture yeah with all of that said i i struggle with where to put it uh, but i think i think i'm quite comfortable putting it I think, I'm, I think I know where I'm going to put it. Um, I, I, this is one of those examples where I haven't put it in a place beforehand, but I'm going to go for this loop. Um, maybe it's wrong, but maybe it's not. Uh, I'm also, by the way, just going to say I agree with pretty much all of your like good and bad things, so mm-hmm. I don't see the point in repeating that. Yeah. Um, Slumdog Millionaire, in my opinion, I'm actually going to put it... I was going to put it above Creed. Uh, I think it was slightly better than Creed because it had more going on than Creed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next thing above Creed was It, uh, which I found kind of enjoyable, but, you know not great so yeah it's about it i'm gonna put it and this is an interesting one i'm gonna put it below uh, the descent and i'm just gonna do that because i think uh the descent like had had more of a uh it was more of what it was the descent knew what it was and i kind of appreciate that um although if i were to put it above the descent i wouldn't put it above the next thing which is the avengers um but you know i don't know it was it was good but uh it's in my number 19 slot is where it is, if you're interested. Fair enough. Uh, okay. Slumdog. So, yeah, I just want to say, actually, obviously, it won Best Picture. And, you know, we can debate whether it was better than um, Milk or Frost Phoenix or The Weed or Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which I don't think it was. But anyway, um, 
it did win a best adapted screenplay, which I think is absolutely correct. I think that's the Oscar which thoroughly deserved the most. Yeah, but maybe the book was actually better. Maybe it was a complete bastardization by it. Maybe the book is the most perfect work of art ever written. <laughs> maybe it is, but I, I, I don't think so. Uh, I'm just going to guess that it's that it's not because I didn't see any controversy in the Wikipedia page about like, oh, they ruined the book. So, yeah. Yes. I, I do think that the best adapted screenplay one was thoroughly deserved uh, because, yeah, like I said, the story was excellent. So, yeah, I think that I think that wraps it up, Michael. So thank you. Uh, for, uh, for joining us, we've been selecting and reflecting on Slumdog Millionaire because it was 10 year anniversary and also we're back into Oscar season. And I thought, you know, it's yeah. quite an interesting film to film to review. Um, and speaking of being back into Oscar season, next week, next week we are reviewing. Dun, 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 dun. So, of course, maybe you haven't been with us since day one. Maybe you're the one person who subscribed over the course of the year. And in that case, um, you you won't know how this works. What we typically do, Luke, what we've do we done not? once, yeah, yeah, is we we start with kind of some of the the, the worst films or not worst or the, the least impressive wins, building up to the best picture. Mm-hmm. And our our first of the less impressive wins is you know best animated film, <laughs> cartoons. They're for kids, and we'll be looking at Pixar's Coco. You know, what I watched yesterday, Michael. I watched Into the Spider Verse. Oh, really? That's yeah. that's an animated film. It is an animated film. So yeah, yeah. I saw so many adverts for that. Yeah, no, it's, it's everyone's the, about it. Yeah, and that it might win an Oscar for best animation. Did it have? Issue. Okay, I want to know this. Did it have a, a Peter Parker that's actually a pig? Yes, called Peter Porker. Yes, it did. Okay, it doesn't see, feature I feature prominently, but he, he's there. Because, like, to me, I mean, I'm just going to say this, Luke. I think I'm part of the like group of people who the advertising is aimed at. Because my initial response to the whole Into the Spider Verse thing is it just sounds so stupid, and I feel like. The thing with the advertising, it was supposed to be like, hey, no, this is this is a normal thing for normal people. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, to be honest, I will probably watch it when it's like, you know, accessible, um, not at the cinema. Yeah. Peter uh, Parker has like five lines. So, yeah, it's fine. He's not he's not involved, really. It's mainly about the old Spider-Man, normal Peter Parker and Miles Morales and a bit of Gwen Stacy as well. Those are the three main characters. And Spider-Gwen. Yeah, Spider-Gwen. And the, the rest are just like, they don't get a lot of lines. So, yeah. Wow. Um, so, one actual final question. Is it a tool? Is it by Sony? Yes, I believe so. So, what you're saying... Was it by Columbia Pictures? This. Oh, yes. So, I think Columbia Pictures are a subsidiary of Sony, okay. which I know because of the Red Letter Media Jack and Jill <laughs> review. Do you remember that time yeah, I did the whole thing? Yeah, I do. And they, yeah, they explain like, all different things. So, yeah. Um, but what you're saying there, Luke, is that Sony, through Columbia Pictures made a good film yes they did this is this is huge news this is huge. groundbreaking i think just based on that you know we might have to i'm have to look into it i'm have to go oh sony made a good film <laughs> this never happens Crazy. anyway yeah so but uh, until then yeah until we look at coco pixar's coco's disney's that's a funny joke uh oh, you know what luke i've 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 uh i'm at an impasse now because i can't do the thing that i do I can't do the thing you do. Yeah, so I'll do it. So we've been selecting and reflecting on Slumdog Millionaire. Thank you for joining us next week. We'll be doing Coco at the start of our Oscar season uh, from, obviously, the previous year. And it's important to note we won't be doing cocaine. Ha <laughs> uh, Who have you been, Michael? I've been Michael. I've been Luke. Join us next week for Coco. Goodbye. Goodbye.